how to raise a Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, you there? Hebrews is a hard book for me to find for some reason, I don't know why. And I want you to look at verse 23. Everybody there? You find your place, amen. If you hadn't found your place, try the table of contents, amen. That's a good place to try. And uh, if, you don't, if you can't find it after that, just look at your Bible and act like you're there, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I do not put the scriptures on the wall because I want you to memorize them, I want you to look at them, and I know I'm lazy. In Sunday school, I, I don't look up something when it's on the wall. I just look at it. So I want you to look at the Bible. That's why we don't put Scripture on the wall. We do put missionaries and announcements and everything else. By faith, Moses. Now, Moses didn't have a bit of faith when he, got, when he was born. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Now, that's who had the faith, the parents, because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, now he had some faith. And I'll tell you where he got it. Uh, Hebrews eleven twenty four. And when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. That was billions of dollars. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyeth the firstborn should touch them. And so I want, you to, I want to preach this a few minutes on how to raise a Moses or the faith of a good mother. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I know we took a lot of time, but Lord, it was worth it to honor these dear moms. I know that one day these moms will look back and say this was a precious day when they got to sit in church and worship together with their child once again. And Thank you, Lord, for these children that's come to honor uh, their mother and be in uh, her church with her on this day. But Lord, we're here to honor you. And God, we know that none of these moms would be good moms without the good Lord and the good spirit and some good faith in your word. And so, Lord, increase our faith. And as I preach to moms, God, help us all to, to heed to this message. And God, please increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Mom, let me say this. Your faith is contagious. Your children will catch it. Jochebed was a, was a mother of a man who was referred several times in the Old Testament, as a man of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, 33, verse 1, he's referred to as a man of God. In Ezra chapter 3, verse 2, he, Moses is referred to as a man of God. And, I, and, and in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, the Bible says he was a servant of God. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, it says, And there arose a prophet since in Israel... Uh, there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, folks, Moses was such a man that he had intimate terms with God. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe Jochebed and Amram uh, was in the shadows, proud as a peacock, so to speak, because their son 
was not only a great man of God, but he was referred to as a friend of God, that he knew God. I think the greatest blessing is that your children know God. And what an important essential role Moses' mom and dad uh, played in this great man of God's life. He just didn't become a man of God. He just didn't become a friend of God. He just, just, just become the liberator of the children of Israel overnight. There was a mother. And folks, this young family found itself face to face with a question long time ago, and everything about their lives told them that God had forgotten them. From the time the parents were young, the children had been taught about how God chose their people uh, from among all the nations of the earth, Israel. And He promised to give them a special land someday. And that land was going to be flowing with milk and honey. And But the story uh, of these fairy tales seemed like centuries ago to, to these children. And uh, anyone had heard from God in, in, in many years, and these chosen people was reduced to a nation of slaves. And they're in captivity. And the masters oppressed them, and the king terrorized them by killing their children. For years, the people prayed for relief, and for years it seems as if their prayers fell back on the ground of, of unanswered prayer. Until we began to look at the question of faith in a good mama named Jochebed. And folks, in this story, we see some parents in some rough times. I mean, the king wanted to kill the children of Israel. And I'm not talking about just all the children. They wanted to kill the, the uh, boys and, and, and wipe out the nation. They were born in Egypt nearly 300 years after Jacob moved in and his family there under the direction of Joseph. And after the death of Joseph, a new king rose in power uh, and thought that the Hebrew population was a threat to his very nation. So they lived in some very severe and hard, hard times. And all the Hebrew male babies were to be thrown in the Nile and killed. And today, many babies are thrown in garbage cans outside abortion clinics and killed. It was a bad day. It was a horrible day. And the prevailing attitude among the Hebrews were fear and anger and despair. And they thought God had abandoned them. But really, they had abandoned God. And folks, their captivity in Egypt had adopted many of the religious practices of that heathen nation. But God sent a mother named Jochebed. Exodus 3, verse 13, both... It says, And Moses said unto, the, unto God, Behold, when I have come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? This whole society forgot who God was. But there was a mother. And what a mother can do is amazing. Your ministry of mom is amazing. Don't ever apologize for being a stay-home stay mom. It's an amazing career. It's an amazing impact. And what Jochebed and Amram did was, it was phenomenal. Uh, and folks, they not only raised Moses, they raised a great lady named Miriam and then Aaron. And what these parents did 
is summed up in two words in this passage. By faith. By faith. I want to look at three, three things about Jacob's faith this morning. Number one, she had a vision of faith. She had a vision of faith. Look at the, the text, Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he didn't have faith, but mama did, and daddy, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. Now, folks, I want you to notice that word proper child. Thank God, folks, they saw differently. I believe that Jochebed, how many of you are grandparents in this room? Raise your hand. Aren't we crazy? Amen. I mean, we do all kinds of things that normal people don't do for our grandchildren. Amen. It's amazing. It's just amazing. They'll change your life. But um, uh, even the very names of Moses' parents tell me that he had great, they had great grandparents, or he had a great grandparent. Jacobin means the Lord's glory, or Wahyeh glory. Amram means exalted people. Now, a nation of slaves, folks, is not exactly an exalted people. But here's some grandparents that said, hey, I'm going to name you an exalted people. I'm going to name you uh, for what your purpose is, Jacobin. I want to name you the Lord of glory. Jacobin. Aram speaks of the promise of God that one day he'll keep his covenant and one day they will be exalted. And so first of all, I want you to notice the vision of faith for your children. We must believe, mamas, that God has a perfect will for your child and that his will is best. Not your will, unless it's God's will, but God's will is always best for the child. They're safe in the will of God. They're fruitful in the will of God. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's a privilege to be in the will of God. I talked to a young lady who tried to take her life in the emergency room this week. And I said, I want to say something, hon. She's a young lady. I said, God's got a perfect purpose for your life. Her little eyes lit up a little bit. She said, really? I said, yes, God loves you. And God's got a perfect plan for your life. I want you to believe that. Please, I want you to believe that. And we'll help you find that will. Don't do this. And she said, well, I think I'll just start over then. And I said, that's exactly what you need to do. Folks, God's will is the best. I want to tell you something, the perfect will of God. And you know something that's so precious? It's a serious responsibility to teach God's will to a child. Do you realize this, Mama? When you bring a child into this earth, you bring an uh, immortal soul into this world. And they're going to live forever and ever and ever, even, either in heaven or hell. That's an awesome responsibility. Once they're brought into existence, folks, they realize that they're born for God's glory. It's a great day. So, number one, real quick, moms, I know you got dinners and parties and all kinds of stuff. But this is very important, because all that's not going to be fulfilled unless you're in God's will. You need to look at your children as a proper child. And folks, you need to look at your children as a potential great man of God, a great lady of God, a great mother for her children, a great uh, 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 Christian that will make a difference and fulfill the very reason they're born, Isaiah 43, 7, they're born for His glory. And anything less than living for His glory 
is not worth living for. Why are so many people just fed up with life and want to do away with their life? I'll tell you why. Because they cannot find the fulfillment in the gusto of this life. It's in dregs at the, at the bottom of the cup. Marriages are falling apart. Folks, how many society is being uh, uh, become to, uh, in shambles in the very essence of a home, a family? God help us to get back to God's will for the family. God's will for each individual and God's will for your children. He saw, she saw him as a proper child. She had a vision. And then number two, I want you to see the venture of faith. The venture of faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23. It says, saw him as a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They're not afraid of the king's commandment. And then you know the rest of the story. She said, Amram, make a special crib, but make it waterproof. I think God's got a plan. I think we've got to do something. And I want to say this, Mama. I want to say this, Daddy. You might say you have faith, but faith without works is dead being alone. Get your children in church at a very young age. Keep them in church and watch your priorities because I want to tell you something. They read you better than a book. They know what tilts your will, what excites you, what makes you smile, what makes you cry, what makes you laugh. They know mama. And I want to tell you something, the greatest blessing they can have is that my mama loves God. My mama loves her husband. And my mama will always be faithful to God. Folks, faith acts. Faith steps out. Faith initiates. A lot of people are saying, well, I just want God by faith to give me this and give me that. Well, sometimes God wants you to get your hand on the end of the hole and go out in the field and plant a seed. Say amen. God wants you to uh, step out by faith. And I mean sacrifice by faith. And put your children in a place where they can fulfill the very will of God and learn to love God. I'm glad my mama took me to church. We had a terrible home life. Fussing, cussing, drinking, burning houses up, wrecking cars, and losing the paycheck. It was traumatic. I stuttered for the first seven years of my life. In first grade, I was put in a circle with headphones on. And I, everybody else was saying, Spot loves Jane, Jane loves Spot. And I was going, Spot, 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 I was a nervous wreck. But I had a mama. And my mama brought me to Sunday school. And my mama taught me the Bible. And my mama told me you need to get saved, son, at a very early age. And my mama told me to be faithful. My mama told me to get involved. My mama told me the greatest blessing was to serve God. And folks, I want to tell you something. God made an impression on my life through the faith of a mama that stepped out into my life and said, we're going to church, son. We might, it might be chaos and turmoil during the week, but on the Lord's day, here we go. And, she, she, and on Wednesday night, there we go. Work day, we were there. They had a deacon's meeting, she tried to get me in on that. I mean, everything that was going on in the church, she put me right in the middle of it. Prayer meetings, I was at her feet. And folks, I thank God for a mother, for a mom that had an adventure of faith that had a vision of what God could do in my little old life. 
One time I said, I ain't going to church. And she said, yes, you are. And I said, the reason you are, you ain't going to turn out like your blooming daddy. And she ripped the sheets off and told me to get ready or I wasn't going to eat breakfast. Well, I always liked breakfast, so I said, I'm going to church. I was 21 years old. That's pretty embarrassing. No, not really. I'm just, I'm just saying, friend, listen. God help us. God help us to take some action. Say amen. I mean, folks, faith without works is dead being alone. You can say you have faith, but prove it by going against the king's commandment and stepping out by faith and putting that baby in the hands of God. She hid Moses for three months. That took a miracle. She probably asked Amram to build a special flotation crib, and he did it. She gave her special boy to the Lord, and she placed him in the Nile. God honored these precious parents' faith and directed the current, the place where the daughter of Pharaoh's was out in the river bathing. That's where they bathed. And so Miriam, big sister, followed along. Now, isn't that different? Isn't that refreshing? I mean, she, she obeyed mom and said, okay, I'll go through the bushes, go through the bramble. Go, go through the snake-infested, alligator-infested bankside to keep an eye on our little baby brother because he's in jeopardy. And folks, I want to tell you what happened. That ark of safety by the sovereign God landed at the feet of the Pharaoh's daughter. And folks, I want to tell you something. Miriam offered to find that baby, that Pharaoh's daughter, a nurse. Oh, you can find a nurse? And so she went and got mama. And I want to tell you something. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 9, And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away, nurse it for me, and I'll give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Thank God. She got to raise her own baby and got paid for it. <laughs> Compensated for it. Faith always has a compensation. Amen. Moses' parents had uh, only saved his life, but God had arranged by her training during those crucial early years. Get this, Mama. And even paid for it by the world. When I notice and read through the Old Testament about the kings, I think about many times it mentions their mother. And I want you to know, friend, between age one and six, your child learns 50 to 80% of all his attitude. Amen. That's why, friend, listen, uh, when they're young, don't leave them. When they're young, invest in them. When they're young, teach. Folks, I want to tell you something. The formative years are so important. Why? Because it forms an image of God through your life. They see Jesus in your life. And they ought to. They see your priorities. They see your love. They see your faithfulness. They see your heart. They not only hear your heart as they lay upon your chest, but they see your heart. And thus, they see the form of Jesus. Moses' life, he never got over those first three, three or four years, those infant years. God honored their faith. 
step out by faith. It was more than all the Egyptian education. He never got away from the University of Egypt. No, but I want to tell you something. He never got away from the greatest university he ever went to, and that was Mother's Lab. Because I believe as he was nursed, she was nursing that baby. She was teaching him. She was giving him the prophecy in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, look at verse 13 through 16. I'm, I'm convinced that she taught Moses this prophecy. Look at Proverbs 15 real quick. Verse 13 through 16. I got time to read it, don't I? Look at this. It says, and he said unto Abram, Genesis 15, 13. You got to see this. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for hundreds, for 400 years. He predicted. Here's a prediction they'd be slaves for 400 years. But not, not, that's not all. Look at verse 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and after shall they come out with great substance. Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in the good old age. Verse 16. But in the fourth generation, it's Moses, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I imagine Amram was saying, hey listen, I want to give you little Moses some prophecy. We might be slaves now. We might be in captivity now. We might be taught, uh, treated like dogs now, but one day God's going to raise up somebody. And that's somebody she was probably talking to and didn't even know it. Going to raise up a liberator. Going to raise up a man of God. Going to raise up somebody that's going to deliver us out of bondage. And it's going to be a great day of liberty. Moses heard that. Moses was probably taught that. And folks, Moses in early godly training insulated him from the Egyptian wicked. Egyptians always a picture of the world. Moses had been formed in his early home training as an instrument for God. And his teacher's title was capital M-O-T-H-E-R. Or he might have called her Mama. And the devil paid for it. And she trained him. Far greater training. And folks, I want to tell you something. Even though he received a PhD in the University of Egypt, he clinged to the faith of mama. Last but not least, I see the victory of faith. What's the rest of the story, Paul Harvey? Well, I'm going to tell you. Verse 24, Hebrews 11. Go with me there. We'll close. You say, Preacher, I'm glad because I'm hungry. Well, I'm hungry for families to come back to God. I'm hungry for mothers to have the right priorities. I'm hungry for daddies to have the right priorities. And I'm hungry to see a ch children turn out right for God's glory. Amen? So I'm hungry too. Look at verse 24. And by faith, when he was come to years, they grow up, don't they? They grow up. I didn't even recognize you, Nathan. Praise God, y'all grow up. Amen. Raised in this church. Come back and be with mama. That's a blessing. They grow up. And folks, it said when it come to years, 
He refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know what he gave up? Billions of dollars. That, that was some formative year training, say amen, to get a child to love God more than money. Say amen right there. Some people live to get rich and they die poor. Say amen. Look at this now. Stay with me now. I know we're running out of time, but you've got you to stay with me, please. This might make a difference in your child training. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather. <laughs> amen. I love, I love it. Choosing rather. These children are making a lot of choices. And I want to tell you the frame of reference of their choice is mama's faith. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Esteeming the approach of Christ's greater riches, hey, listen, than the treasures of Egypt. And Egypt was the world's richest nation. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward, and by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of, his, of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I wonder where he got his first glimpse of him who is invisible. I believe it was in mama's heart, mama's voice, mama's priorities, mama's teaching, mama's love, and yes, children, you don't want to hear this, mama's discipline. Praise God. I never liked it when my mama whooped me, but I sure needed it. And I'm glad she didn't find out every time I needed it, or I might not be here today. She had a hickory switch. She had a bush outside, and she stripped it every year, making hickory switches out of it. She'd been turned into the NCAACP or whatever today. But I'll turn her in as a blessed mama that loved me enough to say, son, there's a very important question. There is a consequence for sin. There's an important lesson that the pleasure of sin for a season is really fun. But the consequences of mother's wrath is far worse. And that pointed me to the reality that the wage of sin is death. And I got saved at a very early age. Of mama's love. Let me just close the four words. Moses was taught dissimulation. That's a fancy word for decision making. Choosing rather. Look at verse 25. Underline it. Choosing rather. Folks, I tell you what, the greatest blessing you'll ever have on this earth is a child that has wisdom. Because wisdom is choosing what God chooses. Wisdom is seeing this world through God's eyes. Wisdom is seeing the end of sin. Wisdom is a heavenly perspective of everything on this earth. And folks, when a child has that, it is a blessing when they choose rather. Then number two, I want you to write down the word evaluation. It says, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches. Now listen to me now. Listen to me. Value clarifications based on eternity. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Children learn their values from their parents at a very early age. Do you value the Word of God? They ought to see you reading it. 
You ought to see you weeping. You value prayer. You value the presence of the Holy Spirit. They ought to see you not quenching Him. Do you value the house of God? They ought to see you here. Hey, do you value the things of God? They ought to see you and know what channel that you love the best on your radio. They ought to know that you love the Word of God more than any romance novel. Come on now, I'm preaching. I'm meddling, but I'm preaching too. They ought to know that your priority, that you've already made a choice, and that you esteem the things of eternity that please God more than the things of the world. And so we have the word dissimulation. They, they become decision makers. They make good decisions. Aren't you proud when people make good decisions? My son called me up last night, my youngest son. I've been praying he'd get back to preaching because he's called to preach. He'd been leading, singing, and teaching Sunday school. And that's great. Praise God. He said, Dad, I think I'm going to stop going to Vision Baptist Church. I'm going to come down to university and I'm going to preach for Brother Gary. And I'm going to give him and I'm gonna, so they can pay him his salary. And I won't take a cent. And I said, son, that's a good decision. I'm proud of you. He said, I'll preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. They can keep paying Brother Gary until he goes home. I said, thank you, son. I believe that's the right decision. Folks, choosing rather, esteeming the things of God based on eternity. And then I want you to know that there's another word, evaluation. It says in verse 26, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. I want you to circle the word respect. The thing that will change your home quicker than anything else is the word respect. You respect each other. You respect the man of God. And then the children respect you. Let me just say this, children. The greatest way to honor your parents is, is live for God. I mean, the... the they're not interested in you becoming the richest person in Whitfield County. They're not interested in you being the most popular person in Whitfield County. But I'll tell you what every parent that has a heart for God is interested in. is for you to glorify God and make the right kind of decisions based on evaluation of what's important. What's important. I think there's a lot more things important than money, career, prestige, and power. It's His name. It's His prestige. It's His power. It's His glory. I believe with all my heart that God is grieved when we raise our children just to be successful for this world. Because it's really failure. Because there is another world. And there's eternity. So you got dissimulation, choosing rather. You got evaluation, esteeming the things that are really important. You have respect, evaluation. He gave up. He gave up being a billionaire to be a leader of slaves, and he freed his people. And God's still giving him accolades of honor because he honors him. But last but not least, my time's up.
And I said on myself, I see elimination. Last but not, next to last, please. Verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him as invisible. Folks, listen. There's some things that children need to eliminate in their life. Hey, there's, there's a lot of things that's depressing kids because they've, they, they've got such pressure on them to be so whirly, so popular, so mighty, so accepted. Folks, none of that is important compared to does it please God and is it accepted to the Beloved. And folks, I want to say this. There's some things that we have to say no to and it's the world, the flesh, and the lust of the flesh saying that's not important, Daddy. That's not important, Mama. And I learned it from you. There ought to be some elimination. It's got real quiet in here. That doesn't concern me. As long as you're listening. Just nod and come back up. Just one more point, okay? I want, to, I want you to see the last word of I think we ought to teach our children. And that's illumination. As seeing Him who is invisible. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I'm gone and I'm dead, and they go by and put little flowers on the grave like we did Miss Connie's mama yesterday. I want them to see Jesus high and lifted up. Not follow daddy's convictions, not follow daddy's rules and regulations, but they have a higher calling. And they don't have to see daddy's approval, but they need to see God's approval. And I, my, man, my life will be worthwhile. My parenthood will be successful. If I leave them with this thought, God, you're God. And you're above all other gods. And you're worth giving my life to my wealth my education my desires my ambitions it's all worth it it's all worth it oh what a victory to see a child turn out right and it all starts when a parent in the formative years and all through the years that you have them live by There's a world full of kids that would love to have a mama. There's a world full of kids that would love to have a daddy. And there's a whole lot of kids that wish they had both. But may I say this in all kindness. What is a prophet, a family to have a house full of kids? And not teach them and train them to be a Moses, to be a Miriam, to be an Aaron. Yesterday, and I, I didn't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I went over to Steph's house and I held that little baby. Mom's in prison. Daddy said, I don't want him. Grandmother's already had three or four. And they said, don't you want to hold him? I said, no. I said, the reason is, I'm afraid you might not get him. 
but I'll take the chance and I'll take the risk. And I held him. And the little baby, two days old, he looked up to me with his big old eyes and he grabbed my heart. I'm sorry, he grabbed my heart. And I could almost wonder what was in his mind. Mama's in jail. Daddy don't want me. And I believe what he was saying to me, and I'm too old, he was probably saying, would you be my daddy? But friend, I want to tell you something. If you have a child, if you have a child, why don't you be the right kind of daddy? And if you have a child, mama, what a gift, what a blessing. Don't take it for granted. God has entrusted you to see in that child a Moses, a Miriam, an Aaron. It starts with a vision. It starts with some venture. You must step out by faith. You must go against the king's command. You must go against the trends of the society of selfishness and vainglory and easy life and, and comfort zone Christianity. And say, I will invest myself in that, in that child's life. And then it must take, and you will see, victory of faith when they turn out. You take your last breath. But God gives them a few more breaths. And they go on for God. And one day you meet in heaven. See, God's paved a way for people like us that have daddy and mamas in heaven today. And he's, he's been proactive. Aren't you glad he wasn't passive in his comfort zone? He's pro, pro faith, proactive, because he saw you on the cross. He's done everything he can. Somebody told me the other day, he says, well, why couldn't God heal so-and-so? And, and why didn't he? And why shouldn't he? And uh, my son-in-law, he's got a lot of wisdom, says, I'm going to tell you what he did do. He died for him 2,000 years ago so y'all could never be apart one day. He has done everything possible. And it's not always God's will to keep you here on this earth. And I thank God for Calvary. And I thank God for who He is, the Lord. And I thank God for my four children, my 13 grandchildren. And I thank God for every child in this church. And especially those that when they come to this church, the only mom and daddy they ever sense is you. The only love they ever have is your love. And the only person that has a vision of faith for them is your vision of faith for them. As you teach Sunday school, as you run that bus, Chris, as you run that van, Derek, that's the only hope they have of one day becoming a Moses. Father, I preach from my heart. That's the only way I know how to preach. I don't apologize for anything I said. But I do apologize sometimes for not being a better daddy.
and a better granddaddy. And Lord, I know I need to apologize to you for not having more faith. I'm like Dr. Lee Robinson. I, I, I hate to even put myself in one sentence with this great man of God. On his deathbed, as he said, I wish I'd had more faith. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that we'd have faith in building a church and building a Sunday school class, but God, help us, help us to have faith to build our children, to protect our children, to train our children, to sacrifice for our children, that they might one day have respect for the things of God. Because they see you who are invisible to this lost and dying and fading world. So Lord, challenge our hearts. I mean challenge my heart. Be a better daddy. And challenge each one of these mothers' hearts to be a better mother. A mother of faith. 